everybody to episode 56 of the baby mamas the baby's here no it's not the baby is here baby prince louis oh <laughs> charles albert of cambridge i thought it was louis albert whatever louis no, albert arthur. charles louis arthur louis arthur the how wolf. do you not know this you're the one who's supposed to be the royalist obsessed the crazy thing is that they stole all our names <laughs> we're gonna call our baby prince (laughs) we are so not um yeah i'm still pregnant (laughs) because i'm gonna be pregnant for the rest of my life kate middleton isn't yeah i watched a live stream while i was at work of uh them coming out in front of the hospital six hours after she gave birth and you know hours and she was like fully done in makeup and like she's probably like I can't even believe she stood up and did that. I'd be like, fuck y'all. Well, her stylist and like come to the hospital and get her ready for that. But you know, she was wearing like the biggest diaper and the biggest pad under that dress. It was just like oozing blood and tissue (laughs) and whatever else comes out of you. Man. Are you trying to make me excited about the labor? No, I'm just trying to normalize her because that is not... There's no way I could have gotten up six hours after labor. Well, you had a postpartum hemorrhage, so no, you really couldn't. That's so crazy. I'm assuming she didn't. Oh. If she did, then she's a fucking not human. Yeah. I'm currently 38 and a half weeks pregnant. There's a week and three, three days, days yeah. until the due date. Yep. Which, yeah. The due date to me is sort of just like whatever it doesn't mean anything i don't think it's gonna be i I don't expect to go into labor until like 41 weeks yeah we're sort of hoping for the latest possible date and then are we not hoping but expecting assuming yeah Yeah. you said hoping sorry (laughs) i was like i don't think i'm hoping for that i just (laughs) I just feel like if I expect it to be way overdue and then I'm not, it'll be like, oh, nice, bonus. Yeah, exactly. And our midwives agree with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to set myself up to not be disappointed and frustrated at the... And impatient. Yeah. Because we want no interventions, which Mm we talked about with our midwives. And Mm -hmm. so they they told us that um, they're on board with that, obviously, if everything's fine with the baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of talked about some more natural things like Jackie's going to start taking evening primrose oil and putting it up her hoo-ha. Mm-hmm. That and sounds fun. What, it, what do you think about doing the castor oil thing? I don't really want to do it. I mean, I, it's hard to kind of wrap my head around cause I don't really want to think about that and assume that I'm going to be that overdue. So essentially like. Up until 41 weeks, there's nothing, there's no, like, rush or whatever. But after 41 weeks, then you start having to do, like, monitoring at the hospital. And you have to, like, do these non-stress tests and checking the fluid and ultrasounds and all this stuff just to make sure that everything's okay. And a lot of the time, the hospital will recommend induction. And I don't want an induction. I want my body to just be given the fucking chance to do it. So, um, that's something that I guess a lot of people will get that recommendation, decline it at the hospital and then go home and take castor oil. I don't really want to have to do that either. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't really believe that, like we already talked about this last week, but I'll just read or last, (laughs) last episode, last six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that even if it can like kick some things into gear, it doesn't actually start labor. So I don't really... I just don't want to mess with it. I want it to happen by itself. Yeah. So we're just going to wait. 
The only thing that would really push me to have an induction is, is if there was, like, significant reason to believe the baby wasn't safe anymore. Well, obviously. We're not idiots. We're not going to, like, no, go I mean, down on a sinking ship being like, no induction, mm-hmm. even though the baby's suffering. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's really my biggest hope is just that it will all happen without any interference. And it most likely will. The funny thing about women, pregnant women, is when you leave them long enough, they go into labor. Yeah. That is some quote that I can't remember. It's like one of the most basic, I don't even want to get into this again. We talked about it so much. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. um, The baby currently has hiccups and it feels like somebody is jumping on my vagina. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. Everyone keeps telling me I'm having a a boy and everyone keeps saying I'm carrying low, but I'm like, I don't understand what that means i've i'm short i'm really i'm five foot one like there's no low there's just all of me i can i can see what they mean like your belly just sort of is like more pendulous okay (laughs) it's just because there's more baby and it's moving further down so it's taking up less space up top it's kind of which you know it doesn't really feel like it it's really hard to find any position now that i can be comfortable in like, sitting just at, like, an, a right angle is really hard. Mm-hmm. There's just so much baby in me. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm not feeling a... I mean, I never feel 100%, but I've got a bit of a cough that I woke up with, kind of sore throat and cough today. So, excuse me if I <clears throat> do that. <laughs> That's not a cough. That's you clearing your throat. I know. It's just... it like It's like went right to my chest like it didn't sort of hover and just be like a sore throat and a cough up here it just went right into my chest so we've kind of changed our i don't know if it's a change of plan but we were talking with our midwife last week um and we were talking about sterling and how we were figuring out where she was going to go and kind of how she's been accepting the baby and what she's what she's sort of aware of and the midwife kind of suggested, like, oh, you should watch some birth videos with her and kind of start to talk to her about how you're going to be making loud noises and all this stuff. And we're like, oh, yeah. And she was like, some kids, like, totally get it and they're fine being there. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to try and aim to see if Sterling can actually be there. Whereas so before, this, no, I was thinking... Yeah, this is just a shift for Angie because I was always hoping that she could be there for all of it. Yeah, but I was, I was hoping that she could be there too. But I was assuming that, like... If things got too much, then she would she would have to go away, and then we'd bring her back after the baby was born. But what shifted in my head was like, oh, well, we can actually call whoever she's with and be like, okay, it looks like it's soon, can bring her back, and actually mm-hmm. try to have her there, not just like, oh, happy coincidence, she just is okay, so she'll stick around. Well, I, I just really think the only thing that would, I think, it's, ho- it's so hard because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to be like when I'm in labor. But I, if she gets scared, then that's a reason that she shouldn't be there. I don't want her to be scared or freaked out by it. Um, or I know a lot of the time, a, a lot of the time, like birthing women will have a hard time actually letting go and going into transition if their kid is around. So if that's obviously holding me up, or if it's scaring her, then we won't have her there. But I really would, ideally, like to have her there. Yeah, me too. I think it'd be really good for her to see. I think it will help the transition better for her. And I I just also think like birth is normal. So if you treat it like it's normal and you don't treat it like it's this big, scary medical like thing, then it can be, you like kind of get to decide that in the way you treat it, you know? Yeah. I think it's a healthy thing for her to see. And you might not be as loud as me. You weren't even that bad. Like, I mean, everybody who's a listener has heard it, but I don't think <laughs> you were that. Like, it wasn't that intense. It wasn't that scary or loud. No, or, it was it's loud. Not, it's not like it was it, loud. It was loud, but it's not like in the but movies or TV where it's like, ah! and like people are just screaming at the top of their lungs. It's like, it's like purposeful noise. I don't know. It just doesn't seem as like jarring when you. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like screeching or like screaming how you would if you were mm-hmm. scared or being attacked or something. Yeah. 
but it was loud. But the thing is also in in between the contractions and during the contractions, everyone was so calm. Yeah. They're just like, okay, yeah, that's good. And then it would just be like silent and people would be whispering mm-hmm. when I wasn't having contractions. So there is like a peacefulness to it, even though there is also like a really loud part. So I think that yeah. might sort of even things out for her yeah and make it so that she can stick around yeah um well in our doula we talked to her about it as well and she said like even start making some of the noises that you think you'll make around her so she's not so scared by it and I was like okay so we've talked about it and we watched a couple birth videos and she was like really into it and then you could tell she was like I don't want to watch this anymore but (laughs) then maxed out she did but then she went and wanted to sit into the babe in the baby bassinet and she kind of, like, got into a birthing position, was, like, poking at her bum. Mm-hmm. So I think that she, like, thought, oh, okay, baby goes in here. I'm going to go have a baby or something. She was yeah. kind of, like, acting it out in a she way. She was making some connections for Yeah, it was sure. funny. Uh, but what were we watching recently where someone was giving birth and everyone in the room was yelling at them? Being like, push, 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 push. Yeah, that's it. Come on. Keep going. Blah, 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 blah. Like, the doctor was yelling. Was it unexpected or teen mom yeah, or something? No, it was unexpected. Yeah. So it's a TLC it like show that we horrible. watch about like teen parents. Cause, Cause it's an obsession of ours. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was so at the time I was watching it, I was like, why, why is okay. this yelling needing to be happening? Like, why do you yeah. have to yell at the person? I don't remember anyone. Yeah. The OB me. was like screaming at this teen mother who was yeah. trying to birth. It was awful. I'm like, why? I don't remember anyone even telling me to push. No. It was just sort of like, okay, here comes the next contraction and being like, go, good job. But no one's encouragement, like, not like commands. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's, it's so like, from what I've seen, I mean, a lot of it's TV, but a lot of it is like reality TV too. And it just seems like a thing that OBs feel like they need to yell at women. It's like, fuck off. I don't know how you. But I guess it, you know, it's probably more common with OBs because they often are doing things like epidurals where you actually do have to tell a person to push because they don't know what the fuck's going on with their body. They can't just like work with their body and follow along. They have to be told because they don't, they can't fucking feel anything. Yeah. Okay. So they can't feel anything, but why the urgency? Like they were yelling at her, like if she didn't get that baby out in that push, that something terrible was going to happen. They're like, push, 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 push. And it was like, ah. Yeah. crazy instead of just being like okay now push yeah keep pushing yeah push as hard as you can like you don't have to take it to this place of i don't know i just find it so interesting and also like so so awful. bizarre how over the top yeah over the top and how different birth can be depending on who's attending it and just the mindset that you're in going into it it's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. i don't know in some ways, it's funny because I was at work the other day and uh, one of my coworkers is on maternity leave, but she brought her daughter in to meet everybody and she's like four months old. Um, and her and another coworker of mine who went on maternity leave at the same time as me were kind of like talking about birth, but they were talking about like hospital birth. And it's like all three of us have all, all had kids like roughly around the same time, but I felt like I couldn't involve myself in the conversation because I didn't. I wasn't identifying with the things they were talking about. Mm. They're like, oh, yeah, this part and the one, and when you got this and the gas and the this and then that. And oh, did you stay in this room? Because they went to the same hospital. And I was just sort of like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Different, like same, but different. Mm-hmm. Well, in this past week, I've had, I've talked to many family members and had to like explain to so many people because everyone just starts off by saying, so which hospital are you going to give birth at? I'm like, well, I'm not, actually. Hopefully, I'm going to have a home birth. <clears throat> then I had to explain and justify it to my grandmother, to my dad. And I told my granny. She didn't actually question it. She just asked which hospital, and I told her. She was she was pretty cool about it. But my grandma, like, went on and on about how, because she had, she had four C-sections, and my mom had C-sections, and my sister had C-sections, that I should be in the hospital. I was like, none of your C-sections have anything to do with my birth. They're not indicative of anything. And if we're being honest, most of you didn't need them. And then she tried to explain to me that the reason she had a C-section was because... well, 
I've heard like bits and pieces from like my mom and other people that my grandma was in hard labor for three days, which I really have a hard time believing. <laughs> like active labor for three days? I don't know. And that she wasn't opening. And she says it's because she fell when she was six on a ladder and like crotched herself and she bled and she never told anybody. And in my head, I'm like, so in my head, I assume that means you probably broke your hymen. Or just broke some skin. Yeah. Because if you broke a bone in your pelvis, you couldn't not tell anybody. (laughs) You wouldn't be able to walk. You'd be in excruciating pain. But even if that's the truth, that's kind of what she makes it sound like. That has nothing to do with your cervix opening or not. (laughs) And she was saying her cervix cervix wouldn't open more than the size of a quarter, which I'm like, I don't know that she understands the physiology of birth. So that was interesting. And I was like, Grandma, that has nothing to do with me. Because that's also that as a justification. I'm like, well, I didn't fall and hurt myself. (laughs) So what does that matter? And then she was like, well, but the pain. I was like, I'm not scared of the pain. I mean, I am, but I'm not like, I'm not seeking to numb it. It's supposed to hurt and that's okay. Um, And then my dad was kind of interesting because he was like, but the equipment. I was like, what equipment do I need? Like... And I, I keep explaining to everyone, I'm like, listen, guys, when you go and you're having a birth in the hospital, they don't just have an OR waiting for every woman who's in labor. So you still have to wait for your OR to be prepped. When I'm at home, and if they if the decision is made that I need to have a C-section, my midwife will call ahead. And as we're transporting to the hospital, they'll be prepping the OR. So in all likelihoods, it will be the same amount of wait time. Anyway, it's just frustrating because I feel like nobody listens to me or takes me seriously. Midwives must just want to rip their hair out with the misinformation about it's cr- their job. I know, right? People just think that they're like, woo-woo. I studied on a like weekend retreat in the mountains wearing like a grass skirt and drinking like hemp tea. Well, and like to her credit, my stepmom had said like, you know, we we stayed with this woman. My My dad and his wife just got back from... Australia where they were visiting my brother and uh, sister-in-law and their new baby. Well, I guess he's not that new anymore, but he's three months old now. That's still new. He's still new. Um, anyway, she was saying, oh, the woman we were staying with at this Airbnb, the host, was in her fourth year of midwifery training. She's like, I don't know what that's like, what it's like here in Canada. I was like, it's the same. It's not a like certification. You study for four years this one thing in depth they're very well trained and my dad actually said like well who makes the decision if you if you have to go to the hospital i said the midwives it's not up to me (laughs) i'm not a medical expert um and that's i think another huge misconception that like it doesn't take a lot of training to be a midwife it's not the same like i i think maybe people also think a doula and a midwife are the same thing and it's totally different but um yeah it just it's It's shocking to me how much misinformation is out there and how common this idea that it's like crazy and dangerous and like negligent for me to not be in a hospital. This, uh, especially with my family after you having a home birth and everything being fine. But then they're like, well, but you've had all these complications in your pregnancy. I'm like, none of them have anything to do with labor. It just means I'm sicker. Like it doesn't. I was like, if anything, I mean, the fact that my pelvis is opening too soon is like, you think that might make it easier, not harder or more dangerous. Yeah. I was really happy to see on this other reality show that we watch, uh, Sister Wives. It's about a polygamous family, whatever, whatever, whatever. But one of the older daughters in this huge family was having a home birth. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was in labor for four days? No longer. Five days. Like early labor, obviously, for a very long time. And And her labor like started and stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped, which is super, super normal. Yeah. And I was like so happy to see that because I'm like, yes, this is what labor can be like. It might last four days where you're in early labor and you have you know, some really hard contractions and then it just dies off for like eight hours and, you know, things come and go. And she, it was so awesome. She never gave up. She never like decided to go to the hospital or anything. She Mm -hmm. like stuck through it, even though she was exhausted. Her husband was exhausted. Like everything 
was just like so tiring for them because it was like so long Mm -hmm. and ended up having this like really awesome successful home birth yeah i think it's it's interesting in the context of like that family because it's more common for people in polygamous families to have home births just because hospital equals like the authorities and there's always that fear of being found out and stuff this family obviously is out about it but they've still had home births since coming out as as polygamists because they it's like a traditional thing in their in their lives but they also are embracing like modern medicine because it's they're they have well-trained midwives attending their births they're also like a modern family they're not like the polygamists who wear braids and have those weird dresses and live on a compound they're like normal humans yeah just just so you know (laughs) if you haven't seen the show yeah um but i mean it sucks that it's like only this like fringe sort of thing but she's not a polygamist she just is the child of polygamists yeah um and i think she's like part of the mormon church or well her husband is but she's not allowed to be because of her parents yeah anyway i just was really impressed with that whole thing i was like yeah that they were showing it that they were like sticking through it and and they probably got a lot of criticism and they they have gotten criticism in the past too because one of the moms had a home birth where there was shoulder dystocia and the baby ended up breaking their the midwife ended up having to do some maneuver that uh broke the baby's collarbone which they would also do in a hospital yeah there's nothing different that they can do for shoulder dystocia in a hospital than they can do in for with a midwife at home at home um and people were like in outrage by that and it's like because because the thing is with shoulder dystocia it's basically the shoulders the baby's shoulders get stuck so at that point there's no you can't do a c-section so people don't understand these things and they just see home birth and the baby broke with a broken clavicle, which sounds horrific, but for a newborn, it's actually not a big deal because their bones are so, you know, they're they're meant to come out. They're made to be kind of squishable and and breaking a bone at that point, it's not a big deal. It sounds like a big deal, but it, it really isn't. And without being able to do that maneuver, the baby probably would have died. And a lot of OBs don't know how to deal with that, actually. But, um, yeah, so they got a lot of flack for that, but it was, like, the, the safest way that that baby could have been delivered, no matter where it was. Yeah, and the midwife, you could see her just do it so fast, because I had looked up this maneuver when I was pregnant, because I was very interested in it, but they sort of, like, push down on your pelvic bone to sort of widen your hips even more, mm-hmm. and I guess pushing down then push, put pressure on the baby's clavicle and broke it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, like, the head is out. Yeah. Right. So it's like there's literally no other way to get the baby out than to get the baby out. Like you can't, you can't cut somebody that way. Mm-hmm. So. I guess yeah. you could like, I don't know. That would probably be no. Ex- we looked into it and we talked to our midwife about it even, and they were like, no, there's nothing else you can do for shoulder dystocia other than this maneuver. Well, there's like four different maneuvers that you can try. Yeah, but it's all manual, like yeah. manipulation of the body and the baby. It's there's no way to actually like surgically remove the baby once the also, head's out. Also, again, it's not like okay, get her into the ER, and thirty seconds later you're in a mm-hmm. in an OR, and like even if you're in the hospital, yeah, like even if there was something surgical, it would still take however long. By which time, it would be too late. Yeah, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, it's anyway, just it's just anyway, very anyway. interesting how I feel like we've been so vocal with our family about informing them about all these things and all these choices that we've made because we've already had a child this way and I'm still coming up against the same questions and it's like god do you guys ever listen to us? It's just frustrating because it's like it it feels like they think we're dumb. I th- I don't think they think we're dumb. I think they think we're lucky. Like, the only reason that mine was successful is just by chance. That's the thing. Mm. Right? Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. It's that whole, like, just-in-case mentality thing, which I'm like, I don't... It's just frustrating. The just-in-case for us is we have well-trained midwives. And to me, that's the just-in-case. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't agree with unattended birth. That's a thing that people do that I'm like, wow, that's... That's scary. Yeah, there's this whole, like, free birth movement where women just want to give birth by themselves, which it's like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Because if you pass out or something happens to you... 
that's it. There's no one else there. There's no one else there, yeah. yeah. There's no backup. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's also people who will kind of find a middle ground where they'll, like, have a, a doula but not a midwife, and then the doula will at least be able to... I don't know. It just that seems really scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. It's just frustrating to be questioned like that. Yeah. Especially by my dad, because I'm like what the fuck do you know about birth? <laughs> You've never given birth. You've, n- I mean, his point of reference is only his kids and they were all born by C-section. So I think that like culture that he had children in also just like breeds a bit of fear. Um, yeah. Cause my mom still has this like narrative that her opening is too small. And I'm like, I really doubt it. Yeah, we've talked about that. That's actually, like, a very rare... Very, very unlikely. ...thing. Yeah. Like, there are people in the world who actually physically cannot give birth, but there's... It's, like, 8% or something. It's, like, extremely low. 8% is not low. It's, like, way lower than that. Well, I don't know. 8% is almost 10%. That's not... No, that's not low. 10% isn't low? No. 1 in 10 people? That's not low, babe. Angie's not good with numbers. It is. From, <laughs> it was something that was like negligible. It's like a point eight, maybe of a percent or something. Anyway, the chances that like all the women that were told in my mother's generation that they couldn't actually give birth actually couldn't, and it wasn't just that like they were operating based on a timeline that is totally unrealistic. Well, it's like the Matt, it's like the the girl that gave birth on the polygamist show, her name is Maddie. It's like the Maddie thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you had looked at her three days into her early labor where it had been starting and stopping mm-hmm. and thought, okay, things should have happened by now, then you could have easily been like, yeah, you just can't do it. Okay, mm-hmm. C-section, bye. Mm-hmm. But if you just, like, sh- waited another couple days and things really got started and stuck it out, she mm-hmm. gave birth perfectly fine. Yeah. But if you... If you don't allow the time and recognize that birth is a long process sometimes, then... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for so long they thought, like, oh, it should only take a couple days. It's like, should based on what? (laughs) You know, it's a huge thing your body has to learn how to do, and and it takes a long time, the first time specifically, for your body to to open that much. Yeah. And when we were at the midwife last time, was it Cora? Or was it our midwife? Or was it Kendall who said that my birth was a unicorn? Someone mm. said my birth was a unicorn and not to go based off mine. <laughs> yeah. And I've always said that because Ange kept saying, like, maybe it'll be like mine. I'm like, no, I'm not even entertaining that idea. I'm assuming my birth will be two weeks overdue. It will take five days and it's going to be really long and protracted and that's fine. Because that's all the evidence points in that direction, all the statistics, all the, like, all of that. If Um, that's what, and and, if you want to take your family into consideration, then it might be that you guys have long labors and that no one's just let it, you know, reached its finality. Yeah, yeah. So that might be more likely than, like, oh, you're not going to be able to. Yeah, and from what we know from the two births that actually were allowed to, like, or the two births that did start, like, my, or no, both... Both my sister's first kids were overdue. And my sister was overdue. Not by a ton, but overdue. So, and I think pretty long labors, yeah. So that's just what I'm expecting. And I'm okay with it. And I think that's that's the thing too. Like if you're going into it with the right mindset, thinking like, it's okay if it takes five to seven days. It's not great. It's not like what I would choose, but that's not how birth works and then if it takes less than seven days then awesome and if it happens you know before 42 weeks awesome that's my mindset going into it and I think it's the healthiest way you can look at it because you can't expect to have like Angie's fucking unicorn birth that's like three days before her due date and nine hours start to finish yeah you know what I'm just like I think I'm just really good at like everything shut up (laughs) and that's just that's just part of it, you know? I'm really good looking, smart, funny, and I'm really good at birthing babies. And let's talk about my other baby, my IUD, mm. which um, all you listeners out there, 
R.I.P. I.U.D. I got it taken out. Fuck that bitch. Oh, my God. It was causing me to have some, like, panic attacks and some, like, weird... You were thinking about death all the time. I was thinking about death all the time and... And then he started having all these crazy allergic reactions and hives. Yeah, I broke out in hives all over my body and it was so awful. So bad. I missed work because I was, like, so itchy and so uncomfortable and miserable. Um, And then I... Yeah, when the hives broke out, I kind of started thinking. I was like, you know what? About once a month since I got this IUD, around the time that I think I should be getting my period, I was getting, like, really down in the dumps and just concentrating on death and other things yeah and you and I had a conversation where I was like I just don't want to think about dying all the time Mm -hmm. I don't know how to stop and we were talking about like counseling and what else we could do because I was like I feel as though I can't just live my life because I'm just constantly thinking about how it's going to end and how unfair it is that like my life is going to be taken from me without my like permission and I always think about like how I'm going to die and if it's going to be like too early or if it'll be like long and drawn out, which still crosses my mind, but it isn't as... It's still a thought process that you have, but it was making it happen all the time. And like, yeah, the more things started coming up, the more it was like, what the fuck? Like all this stuff started when, from when you got your IUD and... It's not surprising to me that you had a negative reaction to hormones. I don't think. I think I'm just really sensitive to hormones because if you look back to to when I gave birth afterwards, I was like nuts. Oh, you were really For like four or five months Mm -hmm. to my own hormones. So if you put in these like extra hormones, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so I went to the doctor and I was like, take the shit out of me. Oh, no. First, first you were miserable and angry. And itchy as fuck. And then I, I, like, make you... I It took so long. I kept telling her, like, get it taken out, babe. Just get it taken out. I finally make her call the gynecologist. And she's like, oh... No, wait. But first, one of the days, for two days, I was, like, panicky and really thirsty. And so I thought I had diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Jackie, I have diabetes. <laughs> and I was feeling really weird in the head. And I would feel kind of like shaky and off and then I would eat and I would feel better for like 20 minutes and then I start to feel like weird again and I went to the doctor I was like I need to get a test for diabetes and the doctor was like okay and you were with me too and he's like you know stress and anxiety and I'm like it's not stress and anxiety I really think like I'm thirsty and he's like uh-huh and I was like it's really easy to rule out diabetes they just do a blood like literally just take your blood glucose and uh that's what he rec- gave you a requisition for. And then, like, two days later, I just felt totally normal again. So I was like, oh, that was... So you never even got it tested because I was like, you don't have diabetes. <laughs> You're not diabetic. The chances of you having diabetes are so slim based on, like, all the reasons that... Yeah. Anyway. So I finally get her to call the gynecologist. And, he, and it was Friday. And she's like, well, I can hear her saying, oh, okay, not until Tuesday. Okay. And I'm like, ask, like, I'm trying to get her attention. Like, ask someone else, ask someone else. She doesn't. Because I'm like, there's multiple gynecologists in this clinic. I'm like, why didn't you just ask if someone else could take it out? She's like, because I was referred as a patient to him. I'm sure they can't just, like, swap patients and, like, wouldn't even entertain the idea. I was like, oh, my God. So she was going to wait the whole weekend and until Tuesday. And I was like, you are so miserable and I'm so done dealing with all this shit. You're so unhappy. So I just called the like closest clinic and was like, can your doctors remove an IUD? And they were like, yep. And I was like, cool. Can I? Do you have an appointment? Yep. 1110 today. I was like, done. Made the appointment. I was like, you're going. She was like. That's what a wife is for. Yeah. <laughs> so you got it out and it was. Not immediate, but it was pretty quickly thereafter that your hives started going away and you are back to your normal self. (laughs) Yeah. And the doctor, when I went in, they're like, why are you getting this taken out? I was like, I'm covered in hives and I think that's because of the IUD. And she was like, well, you know, it might not be. We could like refer you to uh, an allergist before we do this because I don't want you to be in the position where you're like, oh, I'm so disappointed I got it taken out. And I was like, I don't need it. I just have it for like period control but like hives isn't worth it and I'm like 
seriously 98% sure this this caused because I started they started to pop up once I got it mm-hmm. which is like a couple here and a couple there well because the other option was like maybe you were reacting to pills that you'd never reacted to before because what she used to get hives for was like the dye in pills so she only takes pills that are white and you've never really had an issue with them before and then you were like well maybe it's this maybe it's not actually the color in the pills and it was like seemed really unlikely given the fact that you've been taking white pills for a while that never affected you so and and it was like it wasn't just like a couple hives because when you would have those reactions to the pills with the dye in them you get them on your hands and they were kind of annoying but this was like huge all over your arms and legs and your midsection and your like they were everywhere it was way more extreme and it just it just didn't make sense (laughs) yeah and they just kept popping up and it was just ferocious but that you didn't even talk to them about like all the other effects you were having like the mood stuff the like depression stuff the anxiety stuff so it just like all of it together was like this isn't good for you this isn't working let's just get it out yeah, I felt much more stable since and haven't gotten hives. So that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. And it's just like so annoying when you feel completely invalidated by a doctor. Yeah. Because even though it says on the Marina thing, like it, a side effect, and it says like unlikely or something like that uh, of hives, then doctors seem to take that as like that's never going to be you. Mm-hmm. This is so unlikely to have, but it says it on the thing. Yeah. It says a possible side effect is hive. So why can't I be that one person? Mm-hmm. I might be that one person. So don't just like rule me out and send me to an allergist because I haven't changed anything in my environment. I'm not eating weird food. Yeah. And just fucking listen to me and say, oh, okay, well, we'll do that. It's really tough. And we're in, because we're going to be moving soon, we're really in the market for a new GP. And I, I hope we can find somebody who's like younger and has a bit of a different approach to patient care because I think that older generation of doctors... I mean, they've done so much research on this in psychology, um, like health psych, about the fact that like most patients get like 30 seconds of FaceTime with their doctor and they don't really get listened to. And like, I know a lot of it comes from GPs specifically having like huge, huge patient loads um, and there not being enough of them. But it's like, it's so hard when you're trying to advocate for yourself and people don't listen to you. Because, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are people who are totally wrong, but like, I don't know. I just, why wouldn't you listen to somebody if they have a legitimate concern about their own health? Yeah, when I'm telling you, no, nothing's in my, in my environment has changed. I'm pretty sure these like started when I got my IUD instead of being like, okay, I believe you. Well, and the thing too is that it's not like you were going in there saying, I've never had anxiety or stress before. Like you have anxiety on like a normal level or like a, I don't know. You have like a baseline of anxiety and it, this was different. You know, this is, you know, when something is happening in your body, that's completely different than the way you're normally affected by like everyday stuff. Yeah. It was definitely not how my anxiety normally presents. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, so we are, so we got it out. We're really glad that that IUD is gone and I'm sorry your periods are going to come back to being their usual horrendous self. Well, it's better than thinking about death all the time and being covered in hives from head to toe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had two baby showers? I did. I had one surprise baby shower that our friends threw for me, which was so nice. I wasn't really expecting it. I don't know. It feels like it's it's weird because it's my first baby, but it's our second baby, so it feels like you're not supposed to really expect a shower or anything like that, but it's also a different experience if you haven't actually been the one who's giving birth. So that's kind of nice to be. Yeah, because Jackie was like, oh, I don't want to make a big deal. It's fine. We don't need anything. And you were like, just like, you've been progressively getting more and more miserable, obviously, because things mm-hmm. are more uncomfortable. So you're just like, it seemed as though it was just going to be like too much for you. Yeah. To have a like big blowout baby shower. And then our friends were like, well, that's really lame. We want to throw her a baby shower. And did. Yeah, it was so nice. I was definitely surprised because our friend 
lied and said she wanted me to be in a video about doulas. <laughs> so I was like, all ready to be like, she sent me, she even sent me questions to prepare for. Did she? Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. So I like brought my makeup and I was like, okay, like, and, and I had planned out what I was wearing. Cause I was like, I'll probably only be like waist up, <laughs> which is funny. Cause Ange kept telling me she wanted me to wear a dress for this video. And I was like, I don't fucking want to wear, a dr- I have one dress. And it's like one maternity dress. And it's like a black lace dress. It seemed way too formal and fancy and which consequently is actually the same dress that I wore to her wedding. <laughs> um, anyway, so I was just like so annoyed that she was telling me what to wear. And I like, I, f- I still think I looked fine. It would have been nice if I could have like gotten a nice fancy outfit, but I just went with what I had, mm-hmm. which was fine. But yeah, I like walked in and everybody was there and yeah, it was super nice. Yeah. And then you had a family one. Mm-hmm. And the family one was also very nice. They, um, my sister did a bunch of research and figured out what car seat we needed in order to like, last the longest possible but still be one of those click in click out capsule things that you can and then also it she made sure that it fits and got the adapters which we don't have yet but they i don't think they've arrived yet (laughs) anyway um to clip it into our stroller so that's really really handy and she organized like getting like a collection from the family because obviously those strollers or those car seats are not cheap so that's great. So, and then last week we went to my sister's um, to get all the baby's laundry done and Ange installed the car seat. So everything is pretty much ready. The only thing we don't have is a rain cover for the double version of our stroller. Mm. Yeah. But I still haven't found one that I like because all of them are plastic and they don't cover, they don't go down far enough to cover the basket under the stroller which bothers me because then that just fills with water mm-hmm. so I need to do some research or maybe I need to like commission my mother to make one I don't know <laughs> she's been very into the sewing lately so maybe that's a possibility but yeah we're like we're pretty much ready the baby's room is well it's set up it's functional the baby's room well, my, I mean our bedroom our bedroom <laughs> yeah Sterling is now Sleeping in the spare room, which mm-hmm. is her a room originally, but and I'm in there with her, and her sleep has just changed since we moved her in there. Mm-hmm. It's like the bedroom and the bed and everything in there was like a trigger for her, almost like she Not remembered. A it was just like totally associated with breastfeeding and feeding on demand and, and waking in up. Bed. Yeah, and so we switched her into the, we moved the crib into the spare room. I'm in there with her, and she sleeps throughout through the night yeah. most often. Mm-hmm. And we also got a grow clock. Oh, my God, the grow clock is amazing. So it's this clock, if you don't know, that uh, you set it to a certain time, and until that time, it'll remain like a blue moon. So it's be a like, star. We well, call it's a it star, a moon, but we but call it a moon because Sterling calls it a moon, but yeah. it's a star. Um, and then you can make a point at which the sun will come up, so I've set it for like 630 and I think you should change it to seven. She wakes up at seven thirty anyway. I know, but you should. That's why you should change it to seven. So if she ever wakes up earlier, then no, know. I know, but it's been fine. All right, whatever. But there was a little while when she was waking up at six thirty, and I just decided to like set it for then. Um, but she some on the rare occasion that she does wake up, which is usually just once, I say, "No, look, the moon stopped," and she go, "Moon," and then just lie back down and go to sleep. Yeah. So there's like a little book that comes with it, and it just explains sort of. That you have to sleep when the moon is up and you have to be awake when the sun, you wake up when the sun comes up. And it's like the simplest way of explaining time to a, a year and a half old <clears throat> kid in a way that they understand. And it's I think all of these changes have just like been what she needed when she needed. I also started to like disconnect breastfeeding from first thing in the morning because what I used to do is like pull her out of her crib and stick her on my boob. And we would lie in bed and cuddle. And now I pull her out of bed and we cuddle in bed, but I don't breastfeed her. And then if she starts asking for boobs, then I say, okay, we have to feed the cats first. So then we get up, we feed the cats. I usually go to the bathroom, do all that stuff. And then we come into the living room and I breastfeed her in here. Mm -hmm. So I think that helps too. So that when she wakes up, she's not like, I'm awake. There should be a boob in my mouth already. Yeah. So she's not, sorry, she's not waking up to get breast milk anymore she's like waking up and then it's like oh yeah and then i get this thing later 
And she also doesn't get breastfed to sleep anymore. So it's, yeah, it's been good. It's, we finally are having some like solid success with her. Yeah. So now the next step in our sleep thing is to uh, get her to fall asleep without us in the room with her, I think. Yeah. I think that might take a little bit longer and I'm okay with that because it doesn't really bother me. I I think it's, it's getting quicker and quicker. Like, even when she's super crazy before bedtime, she still is ma- managing to fall asleep within, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, like, tonight. Oh, my God. As soon as we, like, so put her nuts. on the bed to try and get her into her pajamas, she's like, ah! ah! And she's, like, rolling around on the bed naked, like, laughing like, her face off. Screaming. <laughs> screaming. But not screaming, like, miserable. Just screaming because she's, like super happy and excited for life and she wants she for some reason has this thing with like making getting dressed into a game where she just like you have to chase her and i'm like i can't chase you like and she just like barrel rolls and kicks her legs and is like laughing so hard and you're trying to be serious but she's being so ridiculous yeah like tonight Yeah. I just kept, like, trying to be serious and be like, Sterling, but then I just started to laugh because it was so funny and how I much she kept, was like... I'm just sitting there to Angie going, don't react. Don't react. And then she did have a few, like, little, like, tantrum-y, screamy, fuck this moments, but... But that's when I was trying to, like, restrain her to be like, hey, I have to put your pajamas on. Like, we can't just lie, like, sit here all night while you, like, roll around and laugh <laughs> your face off. Like, things gotta get moving. Some sort of little maniac. Yeah. Ugh, she's... She's ridiculous. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. She's saying so many words now. She's starting to put like bits of sentences together, sort of, and like I think she's gonna be talking so much so soon. Yeah. She. I was talking to my grandma today. And she just grabs a phone for me and just chatted away for like a solid ten minutes, which is like I was poop. I was honey. Donnie. Like she just like all these words that she knows are coming out, but I was like through the course of it, I was like, Oh, she's telling her all about how, you know, on the weekend we went to Auntie Danny's house and we played with her her cousin Hannah and who she calls Hanny for some reason. And they made a house and and then she, oh by by the way grandma I pooped and like <laughs> it was just so funny because I was like this is gonna be real words soon and mm-hmm. my grandma I could just hear her laughing it was so funny yeah she did that a little bit with my mom today and my mom thought it was so delightful she's like oh my god yeah. she's like she's genuine she's so genuine with what she's saying but it's just not English yeah she, blah, 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 blah. she's got so much intention behind it and it sounds very conversational yeah it's just not all words yet yeah <laughs> but she definitely knows what she's trying to tell you Mm -hmm. and she's super into the baby like she always helps the midwives listen to the baby with the doppler and she always takes the tape measure and tries to measure my belly afterwards which is so funny Mm -hmm. she's doing the other day with like the plastic thing from around a milk cap (laughs) (laughs) okay all right that's not gonna measure very much How many milk caps are you today? <laughs> hmm, 34. Ah, measuring small. Yeah, yeah, super cute. And she's, um, she talked to the baby today because I was doing it. I was like talking to Jackie's belly and then Sterling was like, what are you doing? And came over and stuck her face and was like, rabbit, into the belly. Oh. So cute. So adorable. Oh my God. She just, and I don't know, the past week she keeps like having these long protracted like cuddle sessions with me, which isn't super common for her like she's not she's cuddly she just is like a go-go kid so yeah. she like wants to be going but like a couple times now she's just like crawled up on me and just like frogged on me and just doesn't want me to let her go and it's so nice and it just I keep thinking like oh my god what if I don't have time for this anymore once the baby comes and it's I've been trying to like really cherish these little moments with her you just have to make time for it yeah and just be like... And I mean, I I keep thinking that, and then I'm like, but newborns don't do anything. Like, I remember feeling overwhelmed when we first had Sterling, but now that we've done it once, I think it's going to be a lot easier to deal with the new baby, and it'll be more about making sure Sterling's needs are still getting met. Because, like, newborns just fucking eat, sleep, and poop. But they sleep most of the time. And it changes so fast. Yeah. That's the thing I keep holding on to. It's like, yeah, we're going to have a newborn, but then... Soon after that, we're going to have a four-month-old who's, like, and, like, trying to sit up and is, like, more robust. And before we even know it, we're going to have, like, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. However far apart they are, I don't know. Three-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. 
I mean, they're only 20 months. They're going to be 20 months apart. Yeah. Well, almost. It'll be just under 21 months, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Life is a change. And so the next episode will definitely be the birth episode. Hey, maybe we'll get another one in there. Who knows? If I'm only 38 and a half weeks now, I could have another three weeks to go. That's true. We'll see. Yeah. We'll let you know. You'll find out. Yeah. Um, oh, we have we have some listener info to go into. Listener mail. We do. You've got mail. All right. So, some of you may remember we had um, we had a listener write in about she was asking how to she was asking our advice in our infinite wisdom. Oh yes. About how to know when the right time to have to start trying is. <clears throat> and we were fascinated by her and her wife's story because they were both in the military and we thought that was really interesting so she actually wrote back. So I figured I could read this um to share with the listeners. So this is Lauren. She said, I have to be honest, when I was listening to your podcast and heard my name, I felt like a high school girl being brought up on stage by her favorite performer. It was great. I truly enjoy listening to you too, and I feel like I'm your friend from just from hearing what y'all go through. So I think that's hilarious because I can't imagine anybody being a big fangirl of ours because we're, if you knew us in real life, we're just big dorks. Um, Jackie's a big dork. I'm pretty cool. Ugh, well, you think you are anyway. But uh, we're flattered <laughs> by that. I'm glad that you like us that much. Um, so she goes on to say, there's so much to say about being a married lesbian couple in the military. It's hard to know where to begin. <clears throat> I guess first I'm required to say that my opinions are solely my own and do not reflect the opinions of the U.S. military in which I serve. Very cool. I get that. The military here has really made significant strides since abolishing the don't ask, don't tell policy. We have the exact same rights as any other being in the service, and we aren't treated differently or discriminated against in any fashion. Even though we are definitely a minority, I feel completely welcome in all aspects. I also came out after joining, so if I was comfortable enough to do that, you know they're doing something right. So that's awesome. That's really cool to hear. I'm really glad um, that that's the case. I just really, it's hard to know what to, what things, what, what it would be like because we're so far removed from the kind of life you're living. I think it's one of those things where maybe the government doesn't match the culture. Yeah. And in my experience, like, people in the military are the most respectful people Mm -hmm. that I've met. They're so nice. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to work in a call center, and I would talk to this call center. Just We used to get a lot of, like, military clients. And whenever I talked to them, I'd be so happy because they'd be like, okay, this is going to be an easy call because they're like, oh, yes, ma'am, blah, 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 yes, ma'am. And I would, like, explain things to them, and they wouldn't argue with me, and it was it was great. <laughs> um, and then she goes on to say, being married in the military is a lot harder than I expected to be. The first two years of our relationship were spent in distance. At first, we were only four hours away from each other in California, but once I graduated training there, I made my way to the East Coast, and suddenly we were a country apart for months. In between those phases, my wife deployed overseas for four months and suffered greatly from depression while there after she returned our relationship was incredibly strained as we both had been forced to learn how to live separate lives and be independent from each other reintegrating ourselves was difficult to say the least when she was finally given a position closer to me we were able to move in together and jumped headfirst into buying a home it was a bit of a culture shock to move in with someone that you knew so well but only through distance of course, we'd visited whenever possible, but that's nothing compared to spending day in and day out with someone who has different habits than your own. I cannot even imagine. Well, I can't imagine on that scale at all, but I feel like we kind of got a sense of it when I was working shift work. And you, like, because I would be gone for so much of the time because I also worked far away. So I would have like 16 hour days. And then and I was for working those four days too at the same time. Yeah, so for those four days, we wouldn't really see each other. And so Jackie would, like, be sort of in this groove. And then I would have my four days off. And she'd be like, ah, don't do that. Do this, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. you left this dish here. And we'd kind of start fighting more because I'd be around more. And she wasn't... I wasn't fully in control of the space anymore. Yeah, so yeah. that's, like, a very, very small microcosm of the same sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah it could be a but hard on adjustment. That, on that kind of a scale, I think that would be really challenging. 
but that's like that's what I think about when I think of a, about a couple in especially with both people in the military it just seems like there'd be so much going on but I guess also that because your partner knows what you're going through there's like more understanding too so I guess it's like a double-edged sword um and then she says I was really excited during one of your episodes when you spoke about going to marriage counseling because I'm a huge advocate for it and it undoubtedly saved our marriage when we were in our worst place together after moving in luckily the military is also amazing at providing resources like counseling to us I love therapy oh my god totally yeah this is my advice for like everyone (laughs) I think that everyone could benefit from marriage counseling and I was actually any listening. kind of counseling. Yes, true. But specifically like relationships, I think it's it's such a strange thing because commonly people wait until things are so bad to go to therapy that they're like really far gone. And I think that I was listening to Savage Love recently and he was talking about um, I guess somebody had written in or called in with a question about something like the marriage counseling that you go through when you're trying to get married in the Catholic church where you're not even married yet. And you have to go through all this like counseling to make sure you're on the same page and make sure that you're compatible and all that stuff. And they were asking, because I guess this person was queer and they didn't really agree with the religious aspect of it, but they wanted that same kind of experience. And Dan just said, like, we actually, he said, you know, I think that's a great idea and I really agree with it because he and his husband did that before they adopted their son. They went and just sort of like had a check-in with a a relationship counselor just to make sure that there was like nothing that they were overlooking that they needed to work on. And I think if people had a more sort of proactive attitude towards relationship counseling, it would head off a lot of big problems before they become big problems. I think we've done sort of both. We've done the, like, go to counseling because things are so fucked because we have big problems that have been, like, festering. We did? Well, namely your mom. I mean, that's been a big issue in our relationship for many reasons. But we've also been able to kind of... I wouldn't say that was, like, so fucked. Well, not so fucked, but just, like, we could have gone a lot sooner. And it probably would have prevented a lot of fighting. Um... But in the process of kind of dealing with that stuff, have like proactively kind of been able to suss out some other like maybe communication differences and things like that that we weren't maybe totally on top of. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could have talked about more things. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we spent a lot of time talking about my mom Mm -hmm. and I feel like we could have delved in delved into other aspects of our relationship which we never had the chance to Mm -hmm. because my mom sort of took over every conversation which is what your mom does in life anyway (laughs) i know um yeah so i mean but it also i think from even from the experience of like talking about the issue that come up around your mom it kind of taught us how to talk about other issues too so yeah Huge, huge, huge advocate for relationship counseling, proactively and retroactively, I guess. Um, So I'm glad it helped you guys, and I'm glad that you took that route instead of doing what a lot of people would have done and breaking up. Um, Okay, since I last wrote, my wife and I have settled on a timeline that we're both comfortable with regarding trying to conceive. I'm so dang excited. Getting pregnant is pretty much all I think about day in and day out lately, even though we won't start trying for over a year. I'm one of those rare unicorns that is ecstatic to actually be pregnant and have morning sickness and to feel miserable and huge while carrying. It sounds amazing to me. I've been having pregnancy dreams weekly. Ah! (laughs) So to that I say, I'm glad you're thinking that positively about it. I thought the same thing, really. I was excited about experiencing pregnancy, but it is a whole other world for you. For once you're in it. I mean, if you're probably not going to have the shitty pregnancy that I've had. But just, I think it's good to have realistic expectations in life and know that it's not, the experience of being pregnant, it's not just about being amazing and glorious. It is a labor of love. (laughs) Um, And I think for some reason, the way people talk about pregnancy is generally super positive and like 
empowering, which is great, but it's not like that for everybody. So I felt really let down by my pregnancy at first. And I think it's good to acknowledge that sometimes it's just a really hard thing. And the point of pregnancy is to have the baby. The experience of it is interesting. I'm still like constantly fascinated by it, but it's like I'm fascinated by it in like a fuck, this is uncomfortable and I'm not enjoying it kind of a way. So I still am trying to find ways to appreciate it. It is it is a big thing. It's a big thing to happen to your body and to like go through. And even though most of it has been like really uncomfortable, I've still managed to find ways to enjoy it and to be like, I guess, the sort of awed by it. So yeah, um, I'm glad you're excited. That's totally what Ange was like. She was like, super obsessed with being pregnant yeah um and then and then she goes and we're almost done here (laughs) thank you so much for continuing to create podcasts throughout your challenges i promise the efforts do not go unnoticed i hope that you are both doing well jackie i hope you're holding out okay in these last phases of pregnancy even though it's been really rough for you i admire your tenacity and compassion throughout it so far and angie you crack me up constantly in your episodes my favorite is still the birth podcast you've convinced me home birth is amazing you both are so inspiring and i can't wait for another podcast i check your website almost daily waiting for an upload from y'all um that made me feel like awesome and then guilty (laughs) i was like yay oh we should really be better about and we read that today and we're like we have to record tonight yeah so thank you for this email because even though i'm reading it five days after you sent it it did can it did kind of kick our asses into gear to record again yeah thanks so much that's such a nice email to get yeah it it is nice and it's not that i don't think that our listeners appreciate it i do i just I always feel bad because I'm not giving you guys enough. And just to be clear, I'm always suggesting it. It's true. Angie's like, way better about suggesting it. Do you want to record it. tonight? No. Okay. What about tonight? No, let's do it Saturday. Saturday comes and we're both exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's just, yeah. I'm just really tired. I, I was saying to Angie, like, each week I'm getting, like, so much more exhausted than... By like the same things than I was that I was the week before. It's kind of crazy. Um, so I'm really trying, and I'm thinking about you all, and I'm really definitely going to record the birth. So there will be a birth episode for sure. I'm worried that I'm gonna forget to record it. You were so good at making sure that you were recording. Like I obviously wasn't thinking about that at the time, but I'm worried I'm going to get caught up and forget Sterling. to record. <laughs> well, you're going to have Sterling. I don't, I don't think you'll forget. I think I'll, I, yeah, I think we'll be fine. I'll try and, I don't know what I'll do. You can put up some post-it notes for yourself, maybe. Yeah. That's probably a good idea. Try and help me remember, okay? <laughs> mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> While I'm in labor, that's totally going to be my priority. <laughs> um, but I know there will be a video, because our doula is also a birth photographer and is a videographer now. So she'll be making a video for sure. So at the very least, there will be something. Yeah, maybe I'll get, if I don't end up recording, I can get like the raw files from her. Because I know she's going to make it fancy and like put music to it. Um, But maybe if I can just get like... No, I mean, I think we'll, I think we'll be able to get a voice recording sort of thing set up. Yeah. Okay. And maybe it'll be five days of that. <laughs> it'll be the next 18 podcast. Day three. Jackie's still <laughs> in early labor, and we have murdered our cats and skinned them alive, <laughs> drank their blood, and are wearing their furs. Ugh. No one emailed us about our cats. Oh, are you still reading this email? Sorry. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> done. P.S. The positions in the military that we have now um means we won't be stationed anywhere else so we won't have to worry about being separated anytime soon by the time i would be giving birth and be on take maternity leave i'll be separating from the military so we won't have to worry about both of us being deployed anyway i think that's awesome i'm so excited for you guys it sounds like you're really in a good place and you know what you want and we so appreciate you listening and taking the time to write to us yeah, and keep us updated for sure. Mm-hmm. If you want to let us know how your attempts are going, and 
Yeah, I mean, this really goes to any of our listeners. You can all be... We would be happy to have to feature other stories because the best thing about this podcast is sharing our experience with each other. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to have any more kids. So... And we only speak from authority about our situation, but there's so many different situations out there and different experiences that people have had and if you want to write to us we'd be happy to read it and or if you want to record something like alex and aaron do we could do segments like that so if anybody's making more work for me yeah and we have another child coming along yeah you don't work hard enough so (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean i don't think it would be that much work if people are giving you don't do it no but if people are giving us content (laughs) you know i think it's a cool for our podcast to be able to like go beyond just sharing our story. And now we're sharing Alex and Aaron's story. We've shared little bits and pieces of, of things that people have written to us. But if anybody really wants to be featured on the, the Baby Mamas, let us know. We are super open to that. Yeah, it's true. And just don't listen to Angie complaining about more work. She's a lazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you've never edited an episode. You could teach me how. You wouldn't do it. That's not true. <laughs> It is true. Well, I ask you to check the email and check the Facebook page. How often do you do that? I do it. Mm. I do it about as often as we record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I still do. Uh, that's how we know about this email mm-hmm. right now, because I checked it. Okay. Uh, crazy mom stories? Any? 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 Any that stand out? Or just usual bullshit? I think it's just usual bullshit. Nothing extra crazy. Uh, no, not really. Just like the usual her refusing to listen to any of our requests about not buying so much shit for our daughter. Her criticizing our parenting choices. Yeah. And her constantly bailing on our plans and then complaining and saying that we're not doing enough to let her see her granddaughter. She did say that she thinks we should name the baby if it's a boy, Sebastian. Oh, well then. <laughs> she said it sounded good with Sterling. Sterling and Sebastian. Guess what, bitch? You had your chance. And sh- to be fair, she did pick some good names. But thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not interested in her input. Did we say that we have a name picked out? We have a name picked out. It is a name regardless of the sex of the child. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, one name. One name to rule them all. <laughs> all right, then. I guess we're done. <laughs> we're repeating ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I guess that's it for us. Maybe you'll hear the next episode, Jackie giving birth. Maybe it'll be us just chatting with a miserable, very overdue Jackie. Yay! Yeah. Keep us in your thoughts and prayers. Oh, my God, and Thoughts and prayers, you guys. not do the podcast at all. <laughs> Can you say baby? Baby. Can you say mama? Mama. Baby. Mama. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.